Podcast, episode number 74. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Hey, Martin. Hey. How are you, my friend? Doing good. I'm traveling. This week, in um, the week I'm, we're recording this anyway, not the week I've got the show because <laughs> I, I haven't got last week's show yet, so uh, apologies. Uh, so... Uh, Last week, by the time you're listening to this, I um yeah, I'm doing five cities in three and a half days or something like that. It's wow. ridiculous. But so I'm doing Man- Manchester, then Dusseldorf. I was in Dusseldorf, did uh, ALM days with uh, in Germany with uh, lots of cool people. Did a um a, a, a very in-depth Git talk, um, which. <laughs> Um, see, well, and with, and then Brian Harry was there and Sam Guggenheim as well, which is, it was great, great, always good to see them. When I haven't got jet lag and they have, you know, it was, <laughs> that's, that's really nice. Uh, I actually don't feel as dumb as I do when I'm in America because normally I've got jet lag, you know what I mean? I, I nearly kept up in my conversation with Brian, not quite. <laughs> he was very, very jet lagged. Um, but anyway. And then, um, no, the talk I did, uh, I, um, I cheat when I do talks, Greg. Here's, we, we, we talked about this before, about, about public speaking and stuff like that. It was a conversation we had before. Uh, I um, am terrible at rehearsing. Uh, and so if there's a talk I want to nail, then I find excuses to give awfully similar talks to that talk beforehand. It's like a comedian trying out material on their audience. I like to try out my material on real audiences, and it also helps me rehearse and get timing try and all that sort of thing, and and know which bits people don't understand, and you know try explaining the message a few times to get people to understand stuff. So uh, this was actually the first the first public outing of what will morph into my talk for build. So. Um, so uh, yeah, get, we went okay. Did your build talk get approved? Are you definitely going to be there? Yes, I'll definitely be in build doing. Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't say what I'm doing as the get, as the as the, uh, <laughs> as the build agenda hasn't been announced. Oh no! Anyway, I may or may not be talking about build at a very deep level. One might consider it a deep dive into Git, um, but uh, we we shall see. So um so I'll be do- I'll be doing a talk at build so that'd be great I'll see you there Greg finally in 3D yeah, absolutely absolutely yeah. and as a matter of fact if there's any listeners if you guys are yes. going to build uh, send us an email at Let's have a meet radio tfs yeah we should radio tfs at outlook dot com uh, send us an email and we'll figure something out we'll either meet up I mean I'm going to be there the first through like the sixth because my visiting her but um yeah we should meet you know either you know i'll buy you you all lunch <clears throat> even though it's free or uh you know buy you a beer at the party or you know we'll figure something out but uh yeah so let's, uh, let's hook up i know i, there, I know there. some of you out there are going yeah yeah and i get there hell, if nothing before, else it's gonna be martin and i yep oh so we'll be there and uh hopefully you'll be there and you know we'll hook up or not hook up but sounds, you guys know you. sounds good so, sorry yes. sorry for uh distracting that so you did you're doing five cities in three days well, it must be nice that europe is like small yeah exactly you know, that, you know, you know, a united states guy to have anything about you know size or anything <laughs> anyway so so i'm doing uh <laughs> Let me think. I did, um, so I did Dusseldorf. Then I'm now in, I was in Dusseldorf this morning, on to Vienna now. So that's where I am. I'm in Microsoft Austria uh, in Vienna right now, doing a talk in Vienna uh, tomorrow morning. And then I travel. I'm, I'm, I'm cheating because I count cities I'm, I'm transiting through when I said five cities in three and a half days. So then I'm leaving oh. uh, Vienna tomorrow lunchtime and then heading home via London, via Heathrow. So should be good. Is your talk really early in the morning, or because I know it's late there now? 
Yeah, it's my talk is in uh, eleven and a half hours time from now. So yeah, we shall see. Uh, it's <sighs> it's fine. I've I have the talk prepared. I'll be fine. Uh, at this stage before a talk i'm normally busy prevaricating about preparing for the talk anyway so this is perfect timing for me so besides the traveling what's new well we've been you know while i've been busy jetting around the team haven't been uh keeping keeping quiet and uh, they've been busy shipping stuff so um we shipped uh the ctp2 of update 2 and brave martin actually installed it the night before he did his wow. talk <laughs> yeah i know crazy never mind uh, and it worked fine which is lucky so, uh, so you installed it on your demo box i've installed it on my dev desktop I, i'm using oh. it i'm so i'm i know i'm a little bit crazy but uh th- this one um yeah i have a a lot more um i i've installed it on my dev box i'm not going to say you should install it on your dev box you know what i mean because i i know the right people to call if i get into trouble but um but no it, I, I have a lot this is this is uh it's so far it's been rock solid and performance has been great and yeah I'm, I'm really happy with it so far so we'll see how it goes it's boding well for a good update anyway that's for sure good. if you want this to know is, uh this is still a ctp right this is no go live or anything at this point it's still yeah the ctp is uh, yep yep exactly but um how it typically happens unless we find something major is like well we do a you know we do a couple of ctps and then we do the release kind of thing and um so between the last ctp and the um the the release that with kind of stabilizing it a bit more and fixing bugs isn't you know wouldn't be a a huge number of features would go in between this ctp and the final build now it's mo- you know we're trying to kind of stabilize it a bit more so um you could almost think of it as like a release candidate level kind of thing you know in the old days you know despite the fact that they're only being weeks between releases nowadays but uh yeah I- i'm very happy with it so far so we'll see how we get on it's looking good to me the the git tooling is the reason i installed it um because there's uh, <laughs> been several advancements in that area that didn't make it into the last ctp because that was my fault mm-hmm. so i needed to make I, I wanted to show those off and stuff so uh, i brought those in and then we've also um uh did it as well as releasing the update to ctp we also um did the release candidate for typescript 1.0 so the you know the magical 1.0 release uh <laughs> which is cool and there's lots of you know bugs were fixed in typescript especially like performance in terms of compilation and stuff that we fed into um because I don't know. I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Visual Studio Online yeah. and like the editor control, the Monaco editor, uh-huh. um, they're all huge consumers of TypeScript. All of Visual Studio Online is written in TypeScript. You wouldn't know as a consumer of Visual Studio Online because it's just JavaScript by the time we compile it, obviously. But uh, yeah, we use TypeScript for for all of our stuff, and it works really, really well. Um, and one of the improvements they did was like in you know compilation time performance and things like that. It's, it's got really good. So yep, that's the the release candidate of that, and the um, update to um, of Team Foundation Server is actually um, an an RC level go live release of TFS. So if you if you are if you wish um, if you're using the service you're already running this build sorry we did we did that for you it was great um, but if you wanted to run a copy of that in on prem you can wow. go upgrade and it's a go live release of Team Foundation Server and you get things like you know great tagging support and being able to query on tags and all the charting stuff you've seen in the service basically a build I'm trying to think it's actually right now as of recording it's the same build that 
is running in the service. That won't be mm. true by the time we broadcast the show. But I don't think. <laughs> oh, I think it is. But um, but but right now it's um the same version that's running in the service. So, you know, it's a very 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 recent build of TFS, and um, yeah, it's got all the features you want, and it's it's go live quality. So feel free to upgrade to that. And if you do have any problems, let us know. But we're we're fairly confident in the quality of that build. God, so um, and this update of some of it is CTEs and some of it is RCs. Got it. Okay. Yeah, um, we've not made. Yeah, sorry, that's not very clear, is it? Never mind. No, no, no. It was it, actually the, the download pages do make it really clear. If you look at the download file, some of them are marked CTP, some of them are marked RC, and on both of the download pages, we'll have the links in the show notes. They they clearly explain what CTP products are and what kind of expectations you have and what RC products are, and that RCs are go live and that kind of stuff. So both in the downloads for the VS twenty thirteen update two CTP two and the um, TFS stuff, they talk about there so no okay it is cool. a little confusing but not that much yeah um so we'll put a link in the show notes to brian harry's post about it a couple of things that i um don't didn't mention because i wasn't personally involved in writing but are actually pretty cool and i i used um and i'm using for copex as well is there's a, a neat uh, json visualizer actually inside of vs now which is pretty cool so in the debugger you can um you know you can see json stuff really easily and there's a um a neat sort of json editor uh, which is very handy so you can actually you know full featured and in telesense and formats and you know color, colorization sorry and, and, and the formatting and the warnings and all that sort of stuff so just like you expect and then the final thing which is quite neat is the um uh if you want to do a windows azure website um then which i keep meaning to move the radio tfs site over to i should do that one day <laughs> Um, then you can do that very easily by just doing, you know, in the file new dialog, you can just go create a Windows Azure website right there and you can deploy it from Visual Studio and everything. It's um, it's crazy. And as you get those monthly credits for Azure and you're in, if you've got an MSDN subscription, if you're not using them already, activate them and use them because it's amazing. Um, I set up a Minecraft server for my son using my Windows Azure credits the other day, which I don't know, probably is an abuse of company resources, but hey, it keeps him quiet. So, you know, it's a win-win because when he's quiet, I'll spend time on conference school so there you go it's uh it's good so and then there's some diagnostic stuff as well uh in entire chase but it's it's all good brian's got the best ball post on that probably to go through very good and speaking of visual studio online um we've talked about it in the past the early adopter program uh this is basically before that you start paying you may have to put your payment information in if you get one of the extended um visual studio online packages but um, they haven't started billing that yet, and they're calling it the Early Adopter Program, and that program has been extended. Brian Harry also is blogging about this as well, and he talks about why it's been extended, and basically there are some growing pains, and they're, in my opinion, from the outside guy, it's like they're doing the right thing. Instead of rushing the billing and rushing to you know, uh, earn a buck on it, they're, they're waiting for it to be truly stable and that they're happy with the level of stability, and then they'll start billing it. So the early adopter program has been extended to May 17th of this year. And he also talks about, you know, they're going to, on a limited basis, um, or for a limited time at least, if you're using Visual Studio Online and you want to move to on-premise, um, you can do that. And he goes through a number of five different steps on what you can do and how to do it. And you email it. And, you know, it's not available as we speak today, but maybe by the time this actually airs, um, it may be. 
and you'll send an email and they'll basically dump the database and, and all that stuff and send it to you. It's not going to be a regular service or a regular part of it, but um, you know they promise that during this uh, early adoption period, you can do this and move on, and they are following through with that. So. Yeah, it's been very important to us that before we switch billing on, customers who decide, you know what, I don't want to pay you anymore, have a way of getting their data out. It's not at, we, we do not own this data. It's not our data to, to, to keep hold of. So we need to make sure customers are free to do whatever they want with their data. So that was, that, that's one of the things that's you know, been a deciding factor as to when we'll actually switch billing on, when we, when we can do this. And how it works is really neat uh, technically. What it actually does is, uh, sorry, this is this is this no, is no. what you listen to Radio TFS. It's for this kind of stuff. We're all, we're like on line item two in the in the. In the <laughs> it's going to be a long show. I'm, uh, it's nice to talk to you, Greg. I've, I've been I've been having a week talking to people. So the, it's really cool the way it works. What it actually does um, is a database backup. Mm-hmm. So, but think about that for a second. How can that possibly work? Because um, you know we're running SQL Azure and SQL. Does that work? Turns out it does. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. What about um, the fact that we upgrade the service every you know three weeks? And the version we're running on the service, you might not even be able to download yet. And don't be telling me to download, you know, update 3 CTP 2.9.7 kind of thing because I can't run that in production. So what we actually do is we... We have uh, we we changed the process a few, a few uh, well, probably about a year ago now actually, but we changed the process so when we do upgrades, the way upgrades work, we have to be able to do rolling upgrades. So the application tiers get upgraded, but the the code in the front end has to be able to talk to the current version of a database and the previous you know previous versions of a database, the previous version, because that way we upgrade the code and then we rolling over a quite a long period of time sometimes go update people's accounts so that we never ever take somebody's account offline um we we go upgrade the accounts in a big rolling process and then as the data arrives the code has to be written so you know it gets built it can talk to the old schema it can then as data starts to fill in into the new schema gracefully take that new data in and start to use it kind of thing it's a tax we have to pay every time we update the schema but it means we get this flexibility which is great and we can do upgrades the advantage of this as well and the way we're doing it is we now have downgrade scripts that we check in as part of every change to the schema of a database and so um what happens is your database has a backup and then it's 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 downgraded into the previous you know into the version um of tfs that that we're supporting for upgrades whatever that happens to be at the time and then um when you load that into your version of tfs it goes all oh, right okay this is the version and it can take that in or if you happen to have installed a newer version of tfs it can upgrade your database as if it was doing an upgrade and so yeah we were actually using the database as the interchange format which was crazy but also nice. really cool yeah yeah so it, it means you get a very very high fidelity backup you know the, the thing you lose is if you if it's a feature we added and then it's not in the version that you've downgraded to <laughs> so the data can't be there because we had to downgrade the data for you so uh so that, that's the only time you'd lose data but for like source control and work items ids and change sets ids it's all the same uh, and that makes sense because he's got a paragraph in here he's kind of hinting at some large database schema changes that are coming in the summer and you know we are not going to be able to maintain the downgrade code path through those changes so yeah. yeah, what you're saying really explains on what they mean by 
the, the downgrade path and, you know, why sometimes, you know, yeah, you know, due to the number of changes, you're not going to be able to do it. And, you know, I bet you that he was talking about, you know, if I were guessing, talking about update three and that maybe when update three comes, it would be able to support that and, and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, that, that schema change is coming in. Basically, after that point, we, we, we're putting that in. And after that point, we're wanting to be in the position that, that data export is a self-service thing. And what it will be is you'll go to the service, say, I'd like to do a data export, please. And then you'll come back a couple of hours later and it'll be ready for you to download. You know, And you can download it any time next sort of two weeks, whatever. Um, that's not there right now because we are kind of trialing this data export process. And we know we have a big database schema change coming up which is going to prevent us you know from doing it but from then on you'll just be able to do it and it should just work so we'll see how we get on nice hey uh, um so uh, mickey gusay our much missed co-host um he's uh, done a great post speaking of visual studio online if you want to kind of explain it to your colleagues and kind of get people interested in using vso as we call it inside the, in inside microsoft because <laughs> we like our tlas then um then go to, uh, we should probably call it visualstudio.com. Anyway, the, um, you can go to Mickey's article that we'll put in the show notes and, uh, it'll actually give you a, a thing you can forward to your colleagues explaining what Visual Studio Online is, uh, why you should care, why you should use it, that sort of thing. So it's all good. Nice. And, uh, we have got another post of top five reasons to use Visual Studio Online from front of the show, Brian Killer and Matt Mosted and, uh, short two minute video and he talks about just the top five things on what visual studio online is and why it's cool um so that's you know you guys and you know it's on channelonline.msdn.com blogs slash vso so i think calling it vso is fine um another resource that's available last week we talked about um, online load testing uh, this mm. week we have a post from trevor hancock and he's got a visual studio online load testing troubleshooting guide that's uh, a docx it's actually attached to, attached to the blog post that you'll want to check out well again all the the link in the show notes, but um, this is a docx guide, and it goes through those kind of problems that you may end up having when trying to take advantage of that. And the document's only eight pages, but there's 22 items in it. From uh, you know, what should I do to record the performance uh, web performance with IE 11? To does the machine where the agent is hosted uh, for my run get started with any other run? How do I check the service? Uh, how do I data drive the load test? All of those items. And it's uh, just a short Word doc that you can scan through. And, and Trevor's a, a great guy as well. Trevor's, um, if you say like Sibylith or Fizzbuzz enough time on a support call to Microsoft about TFS, <laughs> like eventually – uh, after several tiers of support, you get through to Trevor, and um, he's uh, he's like one of the main support guys for TFS, and you know for for dealing with the really tricky problems. Put it this way: if you get through to Trevor, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a good one to be writing a guide like this. Then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he knows so much stuff. Yeah, he's brilliant. So uh, yeah, that's great. Nice. And one of the other things we've been talking about with um, Visual Studio Online is the Application Insight Service. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do our own show on this one, but um, briefly, uh, um, Risi Gaian Maria yep. has written yeah, Maria. a Risi again. Don't worry about it. He he okay. knows he knows we know he knows we love him. Oh, 
Uh, anyway, um, he's written a good post, a nice post about application insights on Visual Studio Online, um, talking about how you can integrate it, how you can deploy with it, uh, you know, basically how to hook your application into it. It's, again, a relatively short post. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about using this and, and you just want to get like a high-level overview on how painful it is to install, which it's not, uh, you should check out his post. Hey, um, I can speak to how painful it is to install. It's not. I installed it on Coplex this week. Did you? Yeah. I thought, I'd try, and do- I thought I'd try and DDoS them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, Coplex is, like, has more traffic than all of the MSDN blogs combined and, like, a bunch of other stuff and TechNet blogs and ASPNet blogs and so forth. Let's give it that. So, yeah, I switched it on. It's awesome. Like instantly, I'm um, um, I'm looking in, and uh, you know, you see the you see like a graph. You know, wow, the um, you know, the latency on the calls really spiked. Why is that? And then you just sit there, you're watching it, and then some background data loads in. And it goes, ah, oh, that's because the SQL database locked up for a few seconds there. You know, and I'm like, oh wow, why did that lock up? You know, that's interesting. And then um, and then we had a big after the SQL database locked up, there was a big peak in the number of requests per second we had to process because there's obviously some something happened which caused like a thread lock thing and so a bunch of requests queued up so that would have been a customer experienced that as latency and then the request went through which freed up the lock which then um meant you know there was then a, a big peak of requests getting processed so it was fascinating so now i'm drilling into that sql query which i can do and go see exactly what was causing the problem and go fix that and make sure that doesn't happen again and there was another one i was looking at the performance stuff and um actually getting um like noticing some you know real life performance traces and going oh wow look at that we've got a class which is um like doing safe uh html parsing for some Mm -hmm. reason i think it's in the wiki or something and it's taking an obscene amount of time and Mm -hmm. i i never knew that that didn't show (laughs) up in performance testing why is that taking an obscene amount of time in production so um yeah it's amazing I loving it. Did you stuff. guys? I'm not. This sounds kind of bad, but um, was you didn't have this kind of telemetry before, or just not as in depth? Or uh, we have um, web traffic telemetry, which we're also switching over to App Insights. But um, but we don't have. We didn't have running. Uh, we have like SCOM and stuff, but mm-hmm. it wasn't giving me this kind of visibility of the data. And the data was kind of the ops guys would get it, and we would get ops alerts, but it wasn't really in a place that was like consumable by the dev team i.e. me and the other guys you know it was locked uh-huh. away in scom somewhere and i've never even looked at the scom dashboard for coplex i know that's terrible but <laughs> this this appeared in the visual studio online account with all my coplex source code and i'm like huh because <laughs> because the the ops guy switched it on one day and you know i say i installed it they installed it but it was very painless and then uh we're adding, we're adding the javascript um like payload uh, in the next deployment as well but yeah it was it's amazing if you have if you've is, got a website go use it it's it's brilliant for sure and it's all uh anonymized and, and aggregated and there, there's no oh it's totally it's, you don't see your data in there it, it, it it's what me- it's like you run a it's right it's like you run a load test on your site and you're trying to figure out what went wrong, you know, and uh, what where, and, and but you actually see you're seeing the load from real traffic, not the load from um, simulated traffic. And Got it. 
Just trust me, as somebody that does load tests with simulated traffic, it's completely different when you put real traffic down. Now we we do there's tricks you can do where you can actually um you can actually replay real traffic down uh, um a pre-production environment which we which we do have set up but right. we, we weren't getting anywhere near the level of clarity we're actually getting from this it, it's just it's brilliant do it if you've got a if you yeah do it do it now <laughs> so we'll definitely have a show because what we'll do is we'll get a show with the guys that know all about it and they'll teach me all the stuff i didn't know about my data and we'll, we'll you know it might actually be one that we should record as a video or something we should use it as a build session that's what we should do there's uh, another uh, Another one we could go do. Okay, sorry about that. Hey, uh, speaking of things <laughs> I was kind of involved in. Oh wow, this is going to be a long show. Sorry, Greg. I hope you don't have much to go to after this. The um, no, it's just, the, work. Uh, it's just work exactly. What do they care? Um, so uh, Alok Sharam uh, did a, a blog post over on the .NET blog. Have you seen the new um, the new look for the reference source? You know, I'd seen the post, but I actually haven't gone. Bring it to up. Bring it, it up. Yet. Shame on bring me. It up. Go bring it up. It's um, so you know that what the reference source is. It's basically um, all the .NET framework is available for you to go browse the source code of. You don't need right. to, you know, fire up Reflector and look. You can just go browse it. Uh, the problem was it was, uh, you know, you can hook it in inside of Visual Studio and you can debug and you actually debug into the classes and things. But apart mm-hmm. from that, it was kind of buried away a bit. Um, what they've done is they've um, uh, some stuff we've got internally, which is based on top of Roslyn, and they built this really cool. Uh, code browsing experience. So um, go along. You can follow along in your uh, in 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 the show notes there, and people listeners can follow along. You know, if they if they go and go browse to reference source hyphen beta dot microsoft dot com, and then you get a tree uh, when you come in on the left hand side. You know, to to give you some sort of assemblies to go pick from from the framework. So for instance, oh gosh, yeah, what can we look up? Um, uh well so and you can go pick and you can just you, know, you can go oh look i want to know all about system.drawing and then you can start browsing around in there so you can just click on anything and then if you have a look you actually get like a folder path in the left hand side and you can go find the class you're looking at so if you've always wanted to know how bitmap.cs is actually implemented you just navigate to it as if you're in sort of solution explorer for it and then uh, go look through and you get the code on the right hand side and the navigation on the left hand side now this is powered by roslyn so Roslyn is this, you know, compiler as a service thing and gives us very deep inspection into code, like C-sharp code and stuff. So if you hover over a method um, inside the file, I'm hovering over bitmap oh, and then I'm shoot, hovering that's over. cool. You just, it just goes to it because it knows which, it, it knows which one of those you will link. Isn't that amazing? Wow, that is cool. So for I'm the people who the... are not following along, basically, you, it's like you're in Reflector is the experience yeah, that I was asking. exactly yeah, yeah. like that. And you get yeah, yeah, comments yeah. too. I mean, like the real human comments. I, I'm not seeing any like, yeah. you know, nasty words or anything, but the whole – it's like you are in the Visual Studio environment and you're browsing the code or you're using Just... Reflector, but even better than Reflector because you have all the original comments and stuff. So it's like you got the PDB. And all the real – names and things and, um, yep. and but one of the problems with reflector is it doesn't do a very good job i mean i don't use reflector very much anymore because i have access to all the source code nowadays yeah. but in the old days i used to have to and uh, it didn't do a very good job around like some generic stuff and certain types of loops and things because the compiler actually op- obviously as it's compiling it'll optimize code out 
Um, but that code right. then make, it then becomes less readable, and Reflector can only show you what the what's in the you know what's in the uh, IL. It can't show you what the real code was. So it's it's sometimes hard to to get the intent. And you can also see things like, oh look, we don't have a consistent. Um, there's a lack of consistency in certain classes in terms of curly braces and things. That's not something Reflector will ever show you. But it shows you all the ugliness of our source code as well. It's brilliant. So no, go along and then go and then this is the best bit. This is this is a feature we need in Coplex and in VSO. Go to um, let's type in the search box. Uh-huh. Let's type process, and then you see you've got uh, you've got the field process or whatever. Yep. Because I'm in, and then you're like class process, you can and it's sorting based on like what it thinks you're gonna want. So you know you probably want a class called process, and then inside process there. Um, there should be like is, is there an environment variable? Let's have a look. Process and and there is a um, there is a like a syntax you can use um, in uh, in the search box, but I I can never remember it, so I just you know just type words in and it seems to work. <laughs> but I can go yeah environment variables. That's it. If you click on if you do a search for environment variables in system.diagnostics.process.startinfo, that one there. If you have a look at that, that's now uh, a string dictionary in the latest version of .NET. That used to be, uh, oh, what's the, what's, what was the old thing before string dictionaries that weren't case sensitive? I can't remember now. It was like a property, or anyway, it used to be a different type of collection in in, in older versions of .NET. And the problem with that is that it was uh, case insensitive, but case preserving uh, for environment variables. No, mm-hmm. it was case insensitive for environment variables. That was right. Whereas environment variables are case insensitive, but case preserving. And so what was happening is if you were firing up um, ant and things like that, where Ant was actually, so Java is case sensitive, um, environment variables would all become uppercase or all become lowercase. They would lose that. And so you would have problems with process.startinfo um, when using doing like Java integration and Ant integration. So I filed that as a bug and it eventually got fixed in, when I was an MVP and got fixed in .NET Framework. And so there we go. There is code I can see in the .NET framework that was fixed because of a connect bug that I filed, and I can go look at it and actually check how it's done. Now, I realized it was written the wrong way by looking that code up in Reflector. If this had been around at the time, you know, I could have come in and just had a look at it here. But, yeah, how cool is that? That is very cool. You can jump to the line numbers directly, and that's, oh, that's, yeah. oh, that is interesting. Yep, and you can also and just you- click on download and just go download the source as well if you want to. So. Project Isn't Explorer. That cool? Wow. That cool, is a project explorer system for the oh, that is uh, okay. I know what I'm doing the rest of the day. Is that it? You just go browse and go find embarrassing things in our source code. There's plenty <laughs> of them there. Hopefully, no rude words because we do have a tool we run that, that checks for rude words. Hey, Greg, what believe you, it or not, it's that time of the show. We better hurry up and get on this part of we'll uh, But, 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 go on, carry but, on. Okay. Fine. Okay. Yes, Somebody's got to pay for the show, I guess. And then lovely, we have a great sponsor, SAS Made Easy, a leader in TFS and hosted TFS too, dedicated virtual servers and TFS ALM consulting. They are bringing you, that's right, you guys, episode 74 of Radio TFS. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com or via email at sales at S-A-A-S. M-A-D-E-E-A-S-Y dot com. And again, if you guys 
are looking for that consulting, you're looking for help, you, you, you need some support, you just want to host it in the cloud, but you don't want to deal with that evil that is Microsoft. Oh, I didn't say that loud. If you want to deal with uh, a third-party You vendor, want all the level of customization and you want some consulting with your customized instance rather than the generic instance that we give to everybody. Go to SaaS Made Easy. <laughs> there you go. I should do that. Least, there yeah, there you go. At least for now, right? I mean, we already mentioned VSO is going to be offering that in the future, but it's just, uh, you know, rising tide. Uh, raises all boats, or however that goes. Well, and they can they can run ex- practically the same version we've got if they wanted to upgrade you to the CTP. You know, if you wanted to get them to upgrade you to the CTP, you can tell them which version of TFS you want running. So, all good stuff. Hey, um, I had an email, and I wasn't, and I get a lot of emails from people, and so I don't know, like asking random TFS questions. It's just you know, <laughs> it's it's a it's a cool part of my job. Um, so I don't, I never know if it's for the show or not. So I better not. It, we'll say from Kevin. We'll not we'll not give his full name because I'm not sure if he's if it was for, for the show or anything, but he was actually <laughs> complaining about um, uh, when he did the installation, he noticed his CPU was pegged for a while and was asking me, you know, hey, is that normal or uh, or what? What's the deal? And uh, this is the upgrade to TFS 2013. And I wrote back going, huh, yeah, it probably is because it's probably doing the schema upgrade on the tables and rebuilding the data warehouse. Um, but then I, f- I, I sent him off to the team that actually, you know, I just play an expert on TV. I'm not a real expert. <laughs> and um, and the team verified that I wasn't talking nonsense and I was right. And then lo and behold, friend of the show and uh, legend, all-round legend, UK-based MVP Richard Fennell, um, done a blog post saying, hey, look, guys, you might notice there's some high CPU utilization when you do an upgrade to TFS 2013. And this was from TFS 2012. And basically how the upgrade works is exactly how we do it on-prem. Uh, the upgrade happens, you you get a new version of a database, but remember the code can talk to the old version of a database. And so it it's behind the scenes actually moving all that data over into the new version of the schema. That's very CPU intensive with a lot of data. And the more data you have, the more it's doing this and depends which tables have changed. It just so happens that some of the tables we changed were around um, the test results. And as you, as friends of the show will know, uh, if you're publishing a lot of, um, you know, the the your test data, um, you know, the, the the stack traces and the videos and the all the stuff you've captured from logging bugs using Microsoft Test Manager into TFS, that's a lot of data in your database. So much so that there's a power tool to help you clear out that data if you want to, you know, if you want to save some space. Um, but upgrading those tables turns out takes a particularly long time from TFS 2010 to TFS 2013. So Richard Fennell's post about that and gives you a tip of, hey, you might want to clear this data out before you do the upgrade because you don't need that data anyway. You know, maybe you don't. So maybe get rid of it if you don't need it. Yeah, that makes sense. And we actually talked about this at some point. Um, we have, yeah, we did. We have on. Uh, I, maybe it was Grant or somebody. I can't remember now. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. It was definitely the power tools. You want to. You want to go run. It's in the power tools. Go run it. Yep. Yep. And that so, was one of the things that Kevin did, actually, is he followed our advice and ran the best practice analyzer before doing the upgrade and found some <laughs> stuff. And there was a false positive he had. Um, uh-huh. which it kind of warned him it was a false positive, but, you know, it helped him go look at his TFS and make sure it was healthy before he did the upgrade. So that was, he's a good boy. So maybe he is a friend of the show. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we don't talk about really all that often are um, – ISVs, third parties that are creating and extending TFS and then selling those solutions uh, to you guys um, and other people. Uh, Today, we're highlighting another post about four usability boosters for TFS 
from uh, the team at um, AIT. Uh, they have a product called uh, TFS ASP, and uh, this is a series of utilities that um, extend, basically do the stuff. They fill in the holes. You know, uh, there's functionality that, you know, people want, but Microsoft hasn't gotten to or hasn't been able to yet. But because the platform is extensible, it's a great environment for ISVs. So they can come in and they've created a, um, a number of different extensions that you can buy in their TFS basic product where there's uh, TFS basic, there's TFS standard and TFS enterprise. Uh, they talk about uh, how you can get a view for the latest test results or, you know, I, as much as I really hate this, um, one of the questions I hear a lot are timesheets. You know, they want yeah. to do timesheets in TFS. Well, you know, Microsoft doesn't have that in the box, but AIT, they've it's heard about time that. because timesheets are evil. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And, we, and, and um, you know why it is? It's because nobody in Microsoft fills out a timesheet. <laughs> exactly, seriously. And, and we because we believe they're inherently evil. But and kind of we kind of when people say, yeah, but I have to do timesheets. We go la 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 project server <laughs> la 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 la. So uh, I'm really glad these guys have stepped in and given us an alternative. It means we don't have to because I really didn't want to build that. So I'm very happy that you've done that. Nice. So you can do that and you can do it even at a task level. So you, if you want to book some time when you're working on a, a task, uh, you, you can do that here and it'll roll it up. There, you Do a work item hierarchy type view, uh, related work items. Uh, you know, is different than the ones that are in the box. So you know, if you're looking, if TFX... TFS out of the box on premise. TFS out of the box isn't necessarily doing what you do. There's a very vibrant um, ISV, a third party marketplace out there, and you know from doing specifications in Word to extending TFS to you know all sorts of them, both open source Out- free integration. The Outlook integration from Echobit is just amazing. Well. Yeah, I used uh, TeamLook for yep. the longest okay. time and there is nothing easier than looking at an email and clicking on a button and having it auto magically create the work item and putting in the the subject for you and ripping out all the attachments and making all the attachments as well as the original email there it just makes it almost too easy to create work items right from um, outlook that's a product called team look uh, but yeah there is a huge marketplace out there so and I had a demo from the A. I saw the AIT Pro guys yesterday. Nico Warshell, who again, sorry, he's an MVP, oh. and uh, um, he and friend of the show. And uh, yeah, he, he did a demo of it. Well, it wasn't. It was it turned out it was his colleague in the end doing a demo of the AIT stuff. But it's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. It looks really good. So definitely take a look. Um, just while we're um, couple of, we've got a couple of free trainings. I know you like your free training. <laughs> so um, a couple of uh, if we, we uh, I'll put a link in the show notes Chuck Charles Sterling has a blog post about some uh, free webinars uh, from the, the the very clever guys over at Northwest Cadence um, so if you go along to the, the it's actually on the ALM blog but if you pop along you can find out links about those and turn up and then Jason Singh who's a great um, guy in the field who, who uh, knows a lot about Team Foundation Server and talks to a lot of customers and does some of this stuff you know in the real world rather than just uh, pretends. Um, he links to uh, a bunch of videos, which he's got grouped by role, where um, different people are talking about Team Foundation Server, and it's a great one, you know, talking to actually people in the product group like Aaron and, and Greg Bohr and people all about different things inside TFS. So it's all, some, some good training for you there. The, the webcasts begin 
on the 5th of March and run through until mid-April. So, hey, I've got time to actually get this show out the door before these webcasts have finished. <laughs> so that, that should be some good. of them, yeah. Some of them, yeah, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, make sure you go there. And Steve um, Borgs does a, a great job, and his team do a great job there. Um, uh, they have the guys, the consultants of Northwest Games, can ha- consistently have you know some of the highest scoring pre-cons at conferences and things that I've been involved in. So they're, they're good trainers. Definitely take a look. So, Greg, we're getting towards the end of the show. We can't finish the show without some Rangers news. Surely tell me we've got some Rangers news. Yeah, we got a, 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 just a pretty much an update. Um, they're calling it a, bit a flight guide, kind of a flight board. You know, when you go to an airport and you see what the flight status is. Uh, Willie P is talking about um, the flight status board for a number of the ALM projects and, and where they are and what their status is. You know, they're working on an update to the branding strategies and the using um, TFVC gems, uh, uh, Team Foundation version control gems, dependency management with NuGet, which is, I think, a new, I don't remember that one, um, Git for TFVC users, uh, you know, so you can see where they are with that. Quick, dirty post, but um, gets the job done. Cool. Hey, Greg, before we finish, uh, we're watching This Week on Channel 9, and they did the, the cool thing. You, you did, uh, you're did. you a great dad. So your son has uh, been deployed out to Afghanistan? And, yeah, uh, he's they in, did, you... yeah, he's in the process of it. I dropped him off Sunday. His unit, um, the entire unit, 730th Transportation Company, is uh, deploying to Afghanistan. They're at Fort Hood right now for the next uh, 50-ish days, and then they're going to be boots down in Afghanistan for nine months. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's been very empty nesting. You know, he's our yeah, um, yeah. second child. My daughter's been out of the house for a while, but he's now out of the house, and it's it's interesting. So the team at TFS, you guys know, I, I help out. Maybe you don't know, I help out the Channel Nine team. I do uh, the Coding for Fun blog and Connect Gallery, and I and I help them out with uh, this week on Channel Nine, and you know they do a pick of the week, and uh, I reached out to them and I asked them to let me do. Uh, a pick of the week, and um, uh, they really came through for me, and they really helped me out. And they uh, not only did they let me record and insert uh, a pick of the week of, of mine, which was a shout out to my son and his unit, but um, you know they basically combined their pick of the weeks in, into mine. So that uh, was really uh, touching. You know, I don't know if I can I can say that right. I'm a dad, so I, I can you know show that emotion in my voice and stuff. But uh, you know he, he's my boy, and, and I'm proud of him. And you know if you guys get a chance, we'll have the links in the show notes to go check out the show first because there is a lot. If you like the stuff that you hear here, you know Microsoft Dev stuff, you know you, you got to listen to this week on Channel Nine, um, and then uh, check out my my uh, my shout out to my boy. It was cool. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks to your son. And, you know, I hope it's, it, and I imagine uh, mum's having fun right now. So I, I've got the line already for my son when my son leaves home. It's something like, you know, try not to call home to. I, I stole it from uh, It's About Time, which is a movie. She's out, which, you know, son, try not to call home too often. Your, your mum doesn't like to be bothered. So, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Well, it's, it's actually. 
it's kind of funny is that they're so connected. You know, I was in the army in the um, late eighties and, you know, the comparison between then and now as to how connected you can be with back home. Uh, he and I were texting like throughout the day and stuff, you know, right. he's still in the States right now, but it's just, he can be so connected. He's got his notebook and he's got his hotspot and Wi-Fi and his smartphone. And, you know, it's, it's weird, you know. I expect him because we're so connected to be walking in the door at any time, and then I realize, oh yeah, he's not going to be walking in the door for a few more months. So, yeah. so I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing. Nah, thanks to everybody, you know. Thanks to you, thanks to your son and everybody in his unit, and stay safe. And uh, yeah, let's see. Let us know how things go. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, uh, that's about it for the show then, really. So I guess, um, sorry, it's been a long show, but it's been a good show. Uh, if uh, people have got feedback about what they would like on future episodes, then do email us, radiotfs at outlook.com, sorry, or questions or whatever. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail if you're in the car and we've said something really annoying and you've got to get it off your <laughs> chest and do it. Like Add you don't like our to opening and closing music or anything? Yeah, or, or, or maybe <laughs> I've just said something really stupid, like we've done several times and people if you uh, just want to add this to your voice, add this to your phone, and you can quick dial us and, and, and give us your rage as you're in the car, then or give us your ideas, then uh, call us on one four two five two three three eight three seven nine. So that's uh, that's great. Thank you very much, and we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS. 